By nature, kids live impulsively, and it's our job to save them from themselves. And while they have so much to learn as they grow, they are also teaching us great life lessons along the way. Between us, we have kids that are just out of diapers and nearly out of high school, all of whom have taught us a lot about human nature and informed how we think about our clients. And that's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Before we get going, we've got this beautiful cocktail in front of us. It happens to be the color of chartreuse, but what's it called? It's called the last word. What does that mean to you, Karen? Oh, well, my word association is that I live with a (laughs) three-year-old. That's right. And I am not the one that has the last word right now. (laughs) That's why it's great for this episode. This is a cool cocktail. It was actually invented at the Detroit Athletic Club. It's got chartreuse and gin. You know, that's one of our favorites. And a little bit of bitters and a lime for garnish and some lime juice on it. So it's pretty tasty. The uh, chartreuse and the gin together really make this complicated, interesting taste. And it's this acid chartreuse green, which is sometimes how you feel after your child is giving you a fit. For sure. Oh, man. And so I guess, you know, the big question is, why are we going on and on about our kids? But really, they do leave an impression on us. And oftentimes when I'm reflecting on my problems, you know, as a mother, or we've gone through a weekend where it's like, oh, my gosh, could Monday come sooner? (laughs) Most of those weekends, every now and then, it's kind of like, wow, that lesson kind of reminded me of something that's happened at work or that I've dealt with at work. So it is kind of amazing how much my personal life and my professional life parallel. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, I feel like that quite a bit. I mean, when you're dealing with multiple clients, they're they're very busy. One calls while you're in the middle of talking to the other one. The same thing happens at home. You know, your children don't wait. They don't take turns. They all think they're the most important, which of course they are. Um, but really, no two are alike. And I think that that is what you learn from your children, that even under the same circumstances, you get vastly different results. No, I agree with you. The same thing happens in, in my home. I know we've compared our kids a lot. They're in different places. But in my house, I have this incredibly intelligent, high-energy kid that requires a lot of management. But he's introspective, and I have to really pull thing information from him. I have to pull his needs from him. Uh, and then I have somebody who makes their needs, you know, a three-year-old who makes her needs very well-known and very demanding in a very demanding way. And in general, she's really, really easy, but don't cross her. <laughs> Watch out. (laughs) They're really different people. Well, and I have, you know, I've got the three and my two teenagers, are they're just two years apart. To all outsiders, they look very identical. They are both into the same hobbies and have the same skills and do the same extracurricular activities. But they're nothing alike deep down in how you communicate with them and or gather information. I, I need entirely different tactics. So they look like they're identical, but they really aren't. I know a couple of our listeners have twins, I'd like to hear if if that holds true for, for truly identical folks, just for the sake of science. It's a great reminder that clients need that individualized attention. And I think both of our studios do a really good job of taking care of people in that individual way. But it's a reminder that even though you have a very standardized approach to a project and you put people through the same sets of questions at the beginning, it can't be a formula. It can't be a formula. And I think that's what's great about creativity in the service industry. Formula is just a franchise. You can buy that online. You don't need intimate conversation. You don't need intuition. But with what we do, our clients are like our children in the fact that no two of them experience the world in the same way, even if they should, even if on paper they are 
a perfect match. Something about the process is going to be different or the the way you help them through their solution is going to be unique to them. And being able to understand that and give them the attention that they need individually instead of just that generic response, I think is is a lot of what I've learned from from raising children, I suppose. Absolutely. And I think that we have a very structured approach to the way that we create what we create. And it's really kind of the behind the scenes stuff that the client may not ever see or appreciate. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because structure is very important, right? You're raising children, a good solid structure at home, knowing what to expect, knowing what comes first, what comes second, what comes third. We learn that when they're toddlers. You know, we learn that when they're small, that a regular schedule and an anticipated next step makes people feel comfortable. It makes them feel confident, or at least toddlers, but really with clients, with staff, for myself, knowing what should come next in the formula helps me to release some anxiety and move on to thinking big thoughts. So I think in some ways, the idea of a structure that you work from, but then individual attention within that structured environment, it is the healthiest way to raise kids. Maybe it's the healthiest way to raise a client. Are we raising them? They are. It is a little bit like like raising them. Uh, In fact, when you think about moving your children from toddlerdom through teenage years into adulthood, even though neither one of us are completely to adulthood yet, it really is almost a metaphor of how our client relationships grow. Uh, Some clients, when they first come to you or come to me, they need a lot of handholding, which is fine. That's appropriate for where they are in their stage of need. And sometimes they can be extra demanding and they need that extra set of this is how it goes, like making the expectations known. And then they can get a little bit more independent and and they still need you the same amount, but they're a little bit more informed. And then you can develop clients into this really beautiful, mature relationship that is really rewarding. That's true. And sometimes clients come to you at different stages in their own relationship. A client, for example, who has worked with a producer before understands how that process goes, or a client who has had an agency of record understands how that process goes. Whereas sometimes we have clients who have not been through that experience before. So you're doing a lot of mentoring with your clients to let them understand how that process might work. So your clients in their own careers are at different stages. They're learning what the process is, or they are confident in their style, or they are very far along their career path, and they have the confidence and the experience to be able to walk that path along with you. So just like a teenager who mostly has it together and can function, and you can start to have those adult conversations, clients who have been through that game before are sophisticated and ready to talk with you at a different level, whereas a client who might be newer in their career or hasn't worked on producing a video in the past, you use a different set of tactics with them. And it's true. But as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, well, if they've already had these experiences before, there's still going to be some you know, kind of reset button when they're engaging with a new partner like you or or like me, because obviously their previous experiences, the formula of how that process goes might be the same, the, the roadmap of sorts, but it may not be the same experience. Well, they're going to be so excited because your experience is so much better. <laughs> You've got such a great process, right? <laughs> it is proprietary. <laughs> and, and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll relearn all their things. Yeah. Well, and I think, I, you know, I often say that so much of my, you know, a solid 15 or 20% of my job is education. And whether somebody's been through a process or not before, it is, um, you know, teaching people best practices or new technology. Certainly my industry changes drastically 
you know, almost tenfold every couple of years. So it's really teaching people new practices or new ways to engage. So, Well, let me ask you this. What new practices are you teaching at home? Mm, that's a great question. Putting up the toilet seat? <laughs> that's a really solid practice. It's somehow hasn't stuck yet. <laughs> We're working on how to hold your fork so you don't look like a caveman. One out of three of my children just can't figure it out, and we're working on that. Nice. I thought we went over that in school, but maybe not. Yeah, and I think, too, I was just, I was telling you recently about, you know, my three-year-old and, you know, kindness and using your words instead of your hands. Those, those are practices we're trying really hard to work on. Luckily, clients tend to not bite and pinch and pull hair when they're frustrated, right? Right. I've seen That's some verbal, me. I've seen some verbal, like, throw yourself on the floor and kick your heels into the ground, but only, you know, only metaphorically. <laughs> and in some ways, that's okay. Working with your agency, that's a place to do it. If you're having a rough day and things aren't going your way or budgets tanked or timelines tanked, the agency or the partner is the place where you can have that fit in a safe space so that you can pull it together when you're in your own office, right? So Absolutely. We work with so many agencies and also so many corporations with internal marketing departments that are pretty sophisticated. But I can appreciate that those internal marketing departments are kind of those redheaded stepchildren of their corporations or the weird ones. And so they really need us as a sounding board because what they're doing is trying to push things forward. And there's always a thing between sales and marketing and, and that ROI. So sometimes it's hard for them to feel really acknowledged that what they're doing is really important. I used ROI in an email today and I felt very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for buzzwords and acronyms. Yay. <laughs> you know, I think there's other ways, though, that our kids are like our clients or vice versa. I know you were telling me recently about, like, the things that happen behind the scenes at home and, like, <laughs> that food just appears in the you know refrigerator by magic. Oh, yeah. Our children assume that everything that happens in our house just happens by magic. When I was a kid, there was, you know, I was a Girl Scout, and there was this story about the brownies who came and magically cleaned the house at night, and turns out that was the children because they were behaving well, and they were trying to be helpful. And I think our children think there are some magical brownies who come and make sure that the dishes are done and the mortgage is paid and all of the things. And in some ways, they're very lucky because they live in a comfortable world, you don't know what you haven't experienced, right? And Isaac, my middle child, we were driving home one day from school, and we were driving through various neighborhoods. And he said, hey, Mom, other people don't live in houses like ours, do they? And I said, no, they do not. And we had a whole conversation about how his house is nicer than some people's, and he can afford to do some fun things that other people can't do. And it was one of those moments which was a glimmer of understanding that not everybody has the same stuff and not everybody has the same choices, which was progress. But on a lighter note, my children just think everything that happens at our house happens by magic and it's not hard whatsoever, whereas my husband and I work our tails off. And sometimes I feel like clients assume that that creative work that happens and the brilliance and effectiveness that comes on time and on budget is just standard operating procedure. And I kind of think it's not standard operating procedure. I think that they maybe get the extra credit, extra magical work from us, and they just don't know it because they've never experienced anything else. Well, that opens up a, a lot of thoughts, a lot of things to discuss. So yes, absolutely. Kids just, it's like meals are prepared, clothes are clean, clothes are in the drawer, you know, heat is on, like all of those things yeah. that come with living in a comfortable world that we're very lucky to have. But at the same time, it's important 
to communicate to our children, just like Isaac was able to kind of have an aha moment with you in the car, it's important to educate our kids how things show up and and the cost at which they happen. Maybe not the actual dollars and cents, and that's all very age-appropriate conversation, but, like, you know, that's why we have jobs and, and, you know, teaching our children about how our lives work, kind of in the practical sense, arming them for (laughs) understanding for their future. And similarly, I think clients have to be educated about kind of what has happened. It's not to make sure that they give you a pat on the back and say thank you extra, but to have them understand that there's a process that we go through. And it's not horrible to kind of pull that curtain back, as we've often talked about, to say, I know we promised you three iterations, but our internal team couldn't decide, and so we're presenting you more that's not normal, but we're really committed that we get it right for you. And letting them know in in your own way that you've gone above and beyond, that you're, number one, teaching them that that's not standard business operating practices, that if you don't get eight ideas next time, it's because it was three. And it was just kind of, it's that constant education and that transparency, making sure that expectations are kind of set. We've talked about, I guess we're talking about expectations, expectations. A, lot, a lot. And I've learned quite a bit watching you edit videos. Some edits, for example, seem easy to a client, but they might be really heavy lift. And so you have to do a little bit of education to say, these three things you're asking for are absolutely easy for us to do. We're more than happy to make that change for you. This fourth thing you're asking for is more difficult and let us tell you why and let us make some choices based on the options. So we do have to remember to keep educating our clients and letting them know where a normal level of service lives and where above and beyond is. I think what I've noticed about both of our organizations, though, is that above and beyond is tends to be a at least above average standard practice. Pretty normal. Pretty normal. That's it. We're awesome. It's cool. It's it's a point of pride, I think, for both of us. I think another thing that you've said to me that I've laughed at heartily, actually, is that, you know, our kids all kind of think that they're the favorite. <laughs> and I favorite think maybe, and the most important. Well, and I, and I think it's it's good to, to have your clients believe that they are the favorite, the only, the most important, the most urgent. And if every client can feel that way, then you are providing an excellent, personal, unique service. Everybody's my favorite, and you are the most important right this minute. See, I'm lucky, at home at least, differently than you, because I can always say you're my favorite son or you are my favorite daughter. And it's I, always, I'm always telling the truth. I will say things like, you're my favorite 14-year-old. Because perfect. at this point, there's not another 14-year-old in the house. It's perfect. But I got caught on that one last year. It's like, Mom, I'm your only 14-year-old. Well, yeah. But it's still true. It's still true. (laughs) You're also my favorite smartass. And it's funny because I think even when our kids are being smartasses or difficult or whatever they're being, they're teaching us to look at the world through their eyes. I find, you know, my three-year-old is still really developing how she fits in the world and how she can articulate things. But my eight-year-old has really always been an old soul, first of all. But he, he really has taught me so much about... And it's, it's kind of like I was saying earlier in the episode, the lessons that I'm learning from my kids, I take pause and I'm like, gosh, I, this is feeling like it rings true at work too. You know, it used to be that when my son would attempt art projects that didn't come out on canvas or on the paper, the way he had it in his head, he would throw a fit and he would be very frustrated. And he's really learning to understand that happy accidents are something that are kind of uh, little strokes of genius sometimes. And when it happens, he's like, it's okay, I'll just wait for the paint to dry and try it again. And that, to me, for an eight-year-old to be able to do is really amazing, something that sometimes I don't possess. So it's like mistakes are opening the doors to new possibilities. That's not always a conversation that we have at work. But it's something that I try 
to allow. I might challenge you a little bit on the thing that you don't possess that. I would bet you do possess that opportunity and openness and you don't really realize it because you've internalized it because where else would he have learned it if not by watching you and your husband model such behavior? Well, that's very kind. How do your kids teach you to look at the world differently or how, you know, looking at the world through somebody else's eyes certainly contributes to... Everybody brings something different to the table. You can take a topic. It could be as simple as, let's talk about a banana. And everyone at the table will have a different idea or a different observation or a different story to tell. And what I've realized in parenting is you don't have to be the expert to have a smart idea. You don't have to be the one in charge to have an insight or an opinion that's worth listening to. And I think it gives you patience for listening to new ideas and observations that might feel oblique, but if you think about them carefully, you can see the connections and that opens up ideas with new creativity. <laughs> I think in some ways too, naivety brings interesting thinking. You know, that blank slate of childhood where you don't have preconceived notions, you don't have preconceived constraints, allows you to think and do things much differently than adults do. And I think what I, how I apply that to my job is I have certain ways of doing things because I'm the creative and I'm the problem solver, blah, blah, blah. But clients have different ways of doing things and they might look at the problem from an entirely different angle and allow us to open our way of thinking. So in some ways, those two things are related nicely for me. No, that was really, really well said because the way that I was thinking about it is that my kids don't care if they're woefully underqualified to have an opinion. No. <laughs> That's the other side of it. How nicely you said what you just said. Nope. <laughs> they still have that opinion. They sure they do. They will hang on to it. Well, and what I've learned with teenagers is a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing because a little bit of knowledge has turned a 15-year-old into a total expert. So we find ourselves with our children not correcting observations like that. We say, oh, interesting. It's interesting that you think that way because I assume that over the course of time they will gather more knowledge and they will... Expand. They will expand their thinking. And so we tend, especially when the children were small, we didn't correct their thinking. We just accepted what their perception was at the time, knowing eventually you'll figure out that a tomato is a fruit. I don't need to tell you today. And you'll learn that as you go. I mean, I think that completely applies to the way that we engage in relationships with our clients as well. It's, you know, it's okay that they come in with certain expectations and perceptions and we move them through through the course of an engagement or through the course of a relationship. And we grow and expand because they've given us knowledge about their how they are content matter experts and, and then they grow and expand because we're giving them the knowledge of our particular fields of expertise. It's true. Hmm. And, you know, your heart grows to envelop every single one of them. Every new client, you, your heart grows that much bigger. <laughs> Just like children. Just like when babies are born. <laughs> my heart grew to allow for extra love. Oh, my. Well, speaking of the last word, <laughs> my glass is getting empty, and that was a really nice sip. That was. It's a very pretty color. It's kind of interesting to me. It's complicated. It's a complicated drink for kind of a complicated topic, relationships. So it is. And on I, to the next one, I guess. You know, I learned so much about being a parent from you, and I really appreciate 
the way that we had this conversation just because you articulate your mothering so well and I always glean something important for my future because your kids are older than mine, so I'm always using you as my crystal ball. Well, thank you. <laughs> Until next time, though, where can uh, where can our friends find us? Friends, we really want you to reach out to us on social media. You can find us on any of the platforms at Easy Underground. And our website is thespeakeasypodcast.com, where you can click that iTunes button and go sign up. And then head on over to iTunes and give us a review. We'd super appreciate it. Oh my goodness. In our next episode, we're talking about an important question. Does creative drive die? Uh, We're going to pick apart what creative drive is, investigate our motivations, and talk about how to keep that drive healthy. Until next time. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.